All right, welcome back in, everybody. It is so good to have you back on the Phantom Football Podcast. I am Ben Parker, joined once again by Simon Short and Ronan Summers. We were all gone last week, but one of us in particular was gone ahead of time as a plan. Ronan, welcome back in. How are you? How was your week last week, New Year's? I'm fantastic. I was lucky enough to attend the Sugar Bowl, uh, Alabama and Kansas State. It was a blast. Uh, the Caesars Superdome. Uh, I, we were in the nosebleeds, and it was still a phenomenal view. So, if you're ever, if you're one of those people who like going around the country and you know checking out stadiums, that's definitely one to mark off your list because I was very impressed, especially for it being a dome. Uh, but yeah, it was a great weekend uh, spending the week or the uh, New Year's in New Orleans is always a treat. So uh, yeah, it was a great great trip. Love it. I haven't done that one yet, so uh, I'll try to put that on my bucket list as well. Simon, welcome back in. How are you doing, man? Ben, I'm doing way better than I was. Uh, so, so some, <clears throat> while Ronan was off having a having a grand old time, I shot Ben a message at about four thirty Monday afternoon last week. Um, before any anything with with Monday Night Football, which we will talk about a little bit here, but um, and, and I told Ben, Ben, we're not doing the podcast, man. I'm uh scooting on over to the bathroom every 30 minutes to puke my brains out uh caught caught something that i wasn't quite right for for a few days but we are back um so with that i do want to just hit some programming notes real quick so again we didn't have a podcast last week uh because that we have a lot of newsy type things uh to catch up on also it is black monday so we have a lot of coaching firings and and, uh interviews and, and things to talk about and also coming off of week 18, obviously, with a lot of games not meaning a whole lot, um, we have uh, very few actual football game analysis to talk about this week. So this week's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to hit our games, uh, our important games, right at the top here after we hit some news. And we'll, we'll go through those pretty quickly, probably five to ten minutes on, on two to three games here, just ones that had some bearing on the postseason. And no, I don't mean that horrific Dolphins Jets game uh we are not going to talk about that one we'll talk about some better ones uh and then we'll get right into you know talking about the coaching news and and, uh, some speculation all that could happen with that then we'll talk some playoff scenarios playoff matchups with the seedings and everything now being officially laid out uh to start wildcard weekend on Saturday to get you all ready for that um and then next week We'll be super heavy in the analysis. We'll talk all six games. We'll kind of get right back to what we do. Uh, it'll be no frills, no fuss next week. And then it'll start to balance out again after that a little combo of both sides of the aisle. But this week, just so you guys know, again, catching up from last week on news and updates. It's going to be a fun show tonight. It's going to be kind of wacky all over the place. Um, and then next week, we'll be back into the hardcore analysis. But we will start at the top with some news, uh, some games, and then we'll get into the fun stuff. All right, fair enough, everybody. Thank you for listening. We are so happy to be back again this week. It turned out just as well. We'll hit this first. Um, last week being such a uh, kind of a, a scary week, I'll put it that way, for Demar Hamlin of the Bills, it turned out just as well that that was the week that we, we tend to, turned out to be missing anyway. Um, last we heard, update on Demar Hamlin, he has been discharged from the hospital or is scheduled to be discharged, and he is on his way home. Um, whether or not that has actually happened yet, I don't know, but that is in the process of happening. And so um, big relief for everybody. We don't usually see most of America be able to get together on one thing, 
we got to see that this past week. So a uh, major shout out to DeMar Hamlin and to his family and friends and, and then to everybody who reached out in, in a lot of different ways to try to make that uh, um, a, a, as, as, as good of an event as it could possibly be considering the scary things that were going on last last week. Uh, another bit of news, less scary, uh, not unexpected. J.J. Watt is retiring after a long and illustrious career. Ron and I will start it off with you. Thoughts on J.J. Watt? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about one of the greater defensive linemen, at the very least, of this generation. You can definitely make the argument and say he's the best between him and Donald. But, man, I mean, he wreaked havoc for so many years. And had he stayed healthy, I mean, could you think about the accomplishments that he would have ended up with? I mean, he was banged up for a lot of his career on a not very good Houston Texans team. So, I mean, you plug him in on a playoff contender and year in and year out. I mean, he was a special, special player. It's a fair point, so I'm going to kick it to you, but it's not unusual for us to see NFL guys never even make it to the Super Bowl, even though they're Hall of Famers. It, it's just the nature of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're, guys, we're going to have so much draft stuff for, for the audience here in just a few weeks. It is going to blow your minds. But the conversation is going to come up about, hey, number one overall pick, top three pick. What does a defensive lineman really get you? What does an edge rusher really get you? And we're going to have that conversation. But um, for this conversation with J.J. Watt, I mean, surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest defensive players uh, of this decade. And um, when we look back on, on all that, his name is going to be up there when we mention the great defensive players of all time. And yeah, you, you, you wish he could have been healthy, but to still put together the career he had was incredible. And just shout out to him. And, and you know, you saw the, the tweet that came out was it was his, his child's first game that they attended. And that was the game that he announced was going to be his last home game. Um, and it just makes you really remember how young these guys are, right? We think of J.J. Watt, and he's like an old man in the NFL. He's 33. He just had his first kid, and now he's going to go live like two or three more like incredible lives. So I'm really excited to see what he does next because when you're somebody that is that accomplished um, and that driven to do what he's done at the NFL level, can't wait to see what he does next. Quick random shout. I told you we're going to be all over the place. My – so – J.J. Watt has made some bit appearances in a couple TV shows uh, that he did early in his career, and, and he was in an episode of the show New Girl, which which ran uh, for for about six seasons, and and one of my wife's and I favorite shows to just go back to when we need a laugh. And when J.J. Watt, I think when he retired, and they like talked about it during one of the games, my wife looks up and she says, she goes, "That was the guy that was in the New Girl episode." And it's just hilarious because it's like, here's this Hall of Fame player. And it's just like, you know, I'm glad that struggling actor, you know, made, made a great little NFL career for himself uh, and, and was able to figure things out. Hopefully uh, it works out for him in Hollywood. But um, I don't know if acting is the thing he's going to do next, but uh, whatever he does, it's going to be really cool to see. Yeah. Happy trails to J.J. Watt. We've enjoyed watching you. It's been a pleasure and nothing but the best in your next uh, in your next career, whenever that comes. Uh, Roland, the Jaguars, Saturday night, beat the uh, Titans 20-16, close game, fun game. There was a lot at stake. Yes, sir, there was. And one thing that really stood out to me was that Jags defense. They stepped up big whenever that team needed it. Um, and this is a team that they can get dangerous in the playoffs, man. I, I don't 
they're matched up with the Chargers. You know, we'll get to that in a little bit. They're going to be a dangerous team because they won this game. They had 19 rushing yards as a squad, 19 rushing yards, and they were still able to pull up the win. Uh, th- this is an impressive Jags team. Simon, take take your flowers, man. Take them. Listen, man, listen. Uh, so there, there's a few things that if I had just like bought into my own hype a little bit more, I would have looked like a real, real genius. I thought this team, this is about where I had them, though. I thought maybe they'd have like eight wins and it would come down to the last two weeks, week 17, week 18. And it basically did just a couple of things bounce the right way for them, right? The Titans just on this mega losing streak, they're able, the Jaguars were able to survive that botched like end around fumble that they had right and i think it was the second quarter when they were going for going for a touchdown drive um but you said it the way the defensive line has gotten better week in and week out they can just rotate a bunch of dudes in and out we talked about uh uh dewan smoot i think the the defensive lineman who who was injured and just like the next guy keeps coming and, and the the young defense getting better every week helping this offense which is hot and cold um it's a fun team and and, you know it's all gravy from here and just want to give a shout out to josh dobbs uh again this is me just trying to get him back with the steelers to be the backup for cheap next year but 20 for 29 179 yards a touchdown he did have that pick and and i think he had a that that fumble that was kind of a borderline call but to be on this team for three weeks after being on the lines practice squad and after being the backup in cleveland um to jacoby Brissett for a while to come in and give himself a chance and give the Titans a chance to go to the playoffs uh, was really cool. So just good to see see guys get their chances, right? Um, it, it was really fun. So bummer for the Titans. Uh, see the wheels fall off. We'll talk about them later. But uh, this Jags team, yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. Simon, let's keep it with you. Sunday night was supposed to be another high-stakes matchup. Turned out not to quite have the, the stakes there because the Lions – uh, needed the uh, the Lions needed some things to happen in order to have a shot at the playoffs. Those things didn't happen. They were already eliminated before the game even started, unfortunately. And yet they still go to beat the Packers in Green Bay with the Packers having a pretty nice winning streak of their own. Um, talk to us about the uh, the Lions and the Packers there. Don't tell Dan, Dan Campbell that there was nothing to play for, man. You, you guys saw that interview, right, where it's like, what motivation do you have now that you know you're not going to be in the playoffs? And he said, we don't want them to go. And it's just like – See, oh my gosh, who doesn't love this guy? It, the, this game was so much fun. It was so great to see the Packers or the so, see the Lions on primetime again. Um, really just going all out, right? Just letting it all hang out there and, and not being afraid of anything. The the fourth and the fourth and two, and it was a long fourth and two to go empty backfield with Goff and just trust him to convert when you could kick a field goal and tie the game was nuts um the hook and ladder play from Amon Ross St. Brown uh for on like second and 17 just just a fun fun game an electric offense and you know the Packers man I don't know what was happening with them but their their guys on defense they were acting like they were the team that had nothing to play for right they just looked mad to be there and, and I hate to pick on Quay Walker because you know he's getting in you know he feels terrible about the whole situation but for him to push the athletic trainer, right, uh, six days after we saw how important these athletic trainers getting to their players are, and then to see Devonta Wyatt, th- this was my real issue, Devonta Wyatt, who can has the context to see the whole play, 
to come up behind the athletic trainer and also give another bump like all right man you really need to add some extra intimidation to the athletic trainer with, with two six three 230 plus pound dudes on, on him that athletic trainer though he he must be related to dan campbell because he turned around he was ready to go i was like okay we're gonna see an athletic trainer get into it with an nfl linebacker here um but even even Rasul Douglas, the corner on that field goal attempt that got blown dead by a uh, timeout by Green Bay, comes in and kicks the ball or whatever, and then wants to fight people. Like the the Packers just looked like they didn't even want to be there. They almost like they were like, why do we have to play this team? We're the Packers. We're going to be in the playoffs, right? The the almost arrogance that went along with that. Meanwhile, the Lions who didn't have anything to play for played like everything was on the line and they pulled out all the stops and and they wanted to win that game they wanted to be there more than the Packers did and so Green Bay they're gonna have a lot of questions coming out of this but I I was just really impressed it was a lot of fun and Green Bay has a lot of things to kind of look at themselves in the mirror about Ronan I'll let you talk about the Lions if you want to but I gotta ask we've known the Rams have been out of the playoffs really for for quite a while now realistically and for the most part, we and most people pick the Rams, Packers, and Buccaneers to to kind of head the NFC this year four months ago. Does it give you some satisfaction watching Green Bay miss the playoffs as well? Uh, as a Rams fan, yes. Yeah. Just knowing that a powerhouse can go down. Uh, yeah, 100%. But, yeah, to elaborate on the Lions, Jared Goff, 23 for 34, he threw for 224. He didn't throw for a pick, but he didn't – I mean, he didn't throw for a touchdown, but he didn't throw for a pick. <laughs> Goff, we're going to have to have this conversation. He led him to a winning record. Is is Do we have reason to replace him in 2023? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. To replace him as a day one starter, I don't think so. This was the perfect Goff experience because that whole first half was just, yeah. it, it was a reminder. It, it showed you what the limitations were and he got going in, in the second half a bit. But again, I think that was also a little bit Green Bay shooting themselves in the foot. Um, he, here's where I'm at on Goff. Great regular season quarterback in the right offense with the right players around him. He can get you that winning season. He can put you in a good position. When the chips are down and you need a quarterback to come in and, and make plays and, and give give you that extra oomph, put you over the edge, he's not going to be that guy. He's just, he's just not going to do it. Um, so, you know, that's for, the, for a team like the Lions right now. So, like, there are a lot of teams that would love that, right? Hey, get me nine wins, okay? Let me build an offense around you. Get me nine, ten wins. Make us look respectable. But this Lions team – probably for the last time is going to have a top 10 pick for a few years. This is the year you go draft one of these quarterbacks and you get you a guy with high ceiling. Maybe you keep Goff at the same time for, you know, that kind of uh, trade off that kind of handing of, off the baton. Right. Um, but when you go, could also move on from him and build around a young guy right away with some extra cap space. Um, it, it's hard to say that's the move, but I think that's. the move. So if you're Detroit, are you offering six and 18 to move up with Chicago to one? I mean, it's interdivisional. So, or, you know, so that, that that's going to be tough. 
but I mean, are it you depends. offering the six and eighteen? It depends. I mean, obviously, it depends on your evaluation, right? If you're if you're sitting there and you're like Bryce Young is the guy we need, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud's the guy we need, CJ Stroud, then then yeah, I mean, you know, this is the only thing they have left. Sure, you want some more defensive talent, but this team has shown an ability to coach guys up. Kirby Joseph, second round pick. Uh, who? Ju- James Houston, Justin Houston, the linebacker that has come out of nowhere and had like eight sacks in six games or something like that. I think mid round or day three pick. Um, they just obviously got Aiden Hutchinson uh, with the second overall pick last year. So they've shown an ability to draft and develop guys, you know, almost a la Rams, right? They can make find playmakers and find guys to develop in the mid rounds. If I really believe quarterback is the last thing they need. And if they have an evaluation on a guy that says this is the guy that can do it, yeah, you you be you're willing to give up anything because that 18th pick, you know, is that another defensive lineman you might like? Yeah, but I bet you could find one in the second round you like too. So I, I think you stop at nothing to get get a guy if the evaluation is there. I'll jump in too, and we can talk about it more because I'll give you guys a chance to jump back in. The general manager side of me is 100 percent with what you're saying, Simon. Like I am totally in agreement with that. Like I get to I get to get rid of a decent quarterback who's making a fair amount of money and move on to a young quarterback who's going to be making chunk change for the next five seasons to go along with an offense that's already good, an offensive line that's already good, and a defense that I think I can probably improve somehow. 100% on board. The flip side of this coin for me, the emotional side, this is the Dan Campbell side. If I'm Dan Campbell, I know everybody loves me. I know my I know my players love me. The fans love me. The media loves me. I still don't feel secure in my job. I, there's just no way. And for me, after a horrible season last year in which people wanted to get rid of me, and early in the season in which people like Ben Parker were at least tossing out the idea that you might get rid of a Dan Campbell, I'm not sure I want to entrust my job security to a rookie next year. Like, that scares the behaviors out of me. Um so I, I'm, I'm all on board from an analytical sense of doing that. But the, the real people side, I'm, I'm not sure. Because Roland mentioned that year one starting job with the rookie. Like what, what happens if you go five and 12 last year? Because the rookie just isn't quite ready to do it. I mean, I, it's, it's an interesting thing. Either of y'all got something else for that? Ben, the emotional side is such a great point, especially with Dan Campbell, who we know coaches and runs this team from an emotional aspect i i don't actually see them ending this season the way they did and then going full like heartless and say you know what golf now we're cutting you uh you're out of here we're drafting a rookie here here's how you kind of split the difference you go to jared goff and you say jared you're making 30 and a half million dollars next year that's that's your cap hit that's your cap hit i should say it's not what not what he's making um, we have to, we have to change that. We're, we're in a position right now where we can build for our future with a top 10 draft pick as a quarterback. You're 28, going to be 29 next year. You're signed through your age 30 season. We have to take this opportunity to plan ahead, but we can't have a cap hit for you of over $30 million to do that. We can cut you and save about 20 and a half million of that. We can we can carry just a dead money hit of ten million bucks if we if we cut you. Let us cut you. You're getting you you keep your signing bonus right. All all that's good, and let us bring you back on, on a 
cheaper, shorter deal. If you want to do one for 20, if you want to do two for 30, um, but we're going to draft a quarterback. Now, if we cut you and, and you want to explore your options and go somewhere, great. Uh, we totally understand that, respect that. But this is our last opportunity to get a top 10 draft pick in, in at quarterback with this team that we've assembled. Um, I think that's kind of how you split the difference. I think Goff probably knows he's not going to go to somewhere that's as good of a situation, get a big contract, and, and try to do this with a third team. I think he knows this is his last chance before he kind of plays the backup, bounce around the league game. Um, so it's his opportunity to stay here, start, beat out a rookie for a while, and, and you know, kind of see what happens. But I think you have to at least toe that line between the analytical side and, and the emotional side. But th this is their last chance, man, because this team is not going to have this top 10 pick again. And, you know, they're they're not getting the USC kid two years from now. No one's going to give up that first overall pick, whoever gets it. Um, and then you want to say, oh, we'll just wait and see what quarterback is here three years from now. Well, by then, you're going to have to pay Jameson Williams. You're not going to have these running backs. You're not going to have this offensive line. You're going to have to pay Aiden Hutchinson. And, and now your team looks vastly different. So this is the year. Don't be the Colts. Don't don't do the uh uh Quentin Nelson and, and Darius Leonard. Don't don't do these things where you're overpaying the wrong guys here. You got to capitalize. Uh, Ronan, any 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 more thoughts on the Lions or anyone else for you? You know nothing other than this Lions team seems to be on the up and up at the perfect time because it it's starting to look like Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay at the very least in Green Bay is coming to an end. Uh, so a changing of the guard is my that might be what we could have saw uh, week 18 of 2023 as neither team, unfortunately for them, uh, made it to the playoffs. Uh, but Simon, Ben, a team that did a team that ended up taking that seven seed was the Seattle Seahawks, who defeated the Rams 19 to 16. Sorry, Ben, to steal the host role. Uh, but. Go for it. <laughs> This uh, th this Seahawks game, Gino looked a little bit more like Gino. He was 19 for 31, 213 yards, a touchdown, and two costly picks. Uh, but Kenneth Walker slightly bailed him out, 29 attempts, 114 yards. But the defense, that, that that's kind of it, – it's been the conversation around this Seahawks team because, yes, while Gino's storybook season has been great, None of this would have happened if they had a defense who gave up a billion yards, right? They, they have been, this offense has been put in some great positions. And uh, once again, the Seattle defense kind of, I don't want to say bailed them out, but had they, you know, given up, obviously had they given up more points, they would have lost. It was an overtime game, but you get what I mean. Uh, Baker Mayfield was 13 for 26. That's a 50% average or completion percentage for 147 yards and a pick. So this secondary is is nothing to scoff at. And as they're heading into the playoffs, that seven seed, something to watch out for. You're, you're right, Ronnie. You're 100% right. In that game, uh, Seahawks defense made a couple of plays because they got some beautiful pieces. Now, on the year, the Seahawks defense, my take on it, did not play very well. <laughs> it, was the, it was the offense that really did great. But my, my feeling is this, Geno Smith, I like a lot of what he does. He surpassed every expectation on this season for me. But for me, Kenneth Walker is the focal point of that offense. 
Geno Smith does some nice things, but if Kenneth Walker can't run the football or if he's up against a defense that isn't going to allow that, the Seahawks offense really starts to choke down a little bit, even with DK Metcalf floating around out there. Kenneth Walker made the hugest difference here uh, on the year for the Seahawks offense. They, lots of surprises all over the place. We could talk about it endlessly. Um, really like what Kenneth Walker, I think he's the future there. And the Seahawks are going to have some interesting conversations about Geno Smith, just like the Lions are about Jared Goff. Yeah, I could do a whole Geno Smith thing. Um, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of thinking about this this season, the 49ers are just such a tough draw for for Seattle and, and I think that the ch- the only chance is going to be can one of these receivers for Seattle kind of go off. It, it, Geno has been productive these last few weeks, but these wide receivers on an individual basis have been a little quiet. Um, I didn't even see their numbers from the Rams game. Uh, I don't know if anybody has those, but, uh, like the jets game that, that was the game plan for the jets, right? They, they just took those guys out. Gino had to target the tight ends, the running backs, um, this 49ers cornerback room while physical, while pretty good, they don't give up too many deep plays. We saw them in, in their weakest moment, uh, get burnt by Devonte Adams. So can one of those guys go off like that? Because I, I think Kenneth Walker is going to be neutralized in terms of the run game. And then how well can this uh, offensive line for Seattle, who's o- not overachieved, but who's uh, done better than we expected with those rookie tackles, they're also going to have their work cut out for them with that 49ers pass rush. Uh, so I think it's going to be a tough draw for Geno and the Seahawks offense, but I think there's a lot of good pieces there. So when you think about it long-term, I, you know, you could make that same argument that they should do the same thing as Detroit and, and oh, go for the rookie quarterback. But I think the things you're getting from Geno are sustainable and and things that if you continue to build around them can actually work for you. Whereas I think Goff is not in that kind of in, in that kind of place, but I'm kind of a Geno head. So um, I, I think for this season, it's been great. And I think the matchup in the playoffs is going to be a tough one. Would it surprise me to see Gino like be efficient and move the ball? No, but it, it's going, it's a lot to ask, but I think long-term he's, he's deserved the right, whether it's in Seattle or not get starter money, get a multi-year contract, lock that up. And, and I think it will be in Seattle. Yeah. I, I'm going to save all my Gino Smith thoughts for later in the off season. Cause I've, there's a whole bunch of things to consider. I'll save that, but I, I will stay on the matchup for the first round. I, I like Seattle's chances next year to do more damage than they did this year. But I think this is an awful matchup for them against the 49ers. Simon laid it all out very well, and I'll just double down on it. Seattle has to be able to run the football, and they're not going to be able to do that against the 49ers. Kenneth Walker might break one or two, but that's it. Uh, The 49ers are going to choke that off. And then those 49er linebackers who are among the very best in football they're going to give Geno Smith a lot of trouble on all the short routes that he has such nice touch on. Those windows are just going to be tighter. And so, I, Simon, I think you nailed it. I think they're going to need DK Metcalf or one of the other wide receivers to have a huge 200-yard game on that secondary. <laughs> just go right over the top because I don't think you're going to get all the underneath stuff and the rushing yardage. I, to me, that's their only way. Um, and and and. Then maybe get an interception or two from Brock Purdy. I, you know, I think this is an awful matchup for Seattle. Um, 
Uh, Ron, I'm going to stay with you on this here. Uh, I'm going to let you set the table for this because we're getting reports of Sean McVay again, just like we were last year. We're getting some reports that maybe perhaps McVay isn't the Rams coach next year. So set the table for us on that. Yeah, so this has kind of been something that's been in the back of everyone's minds uh, throughout the, at least since the Rams have not been good. They've been a garbage team, at least for this year. Uh, the Rams did not look good this year. Injuries didn't help. Uh, just early season struggles. It, it just wasn't a good season. And after McVay's first bad season, he's considering hanging him up. And okay, for someone who I I figured, uh, you know, kind of cares about legacy and kind of their their footprint on the game, uh, and what they've done. Leaving after one year of a losing record, does that blemish put a little blemish on your legacy? Like to me, that does. That that that's you know taking the quote unquote easy way out to go taking twenty million dollars. Now, I mean, that's easy for me to say because I'm not the one who was offered twenty million dollars to go sit in a booth, and I can't blame them. But if we're talking about someone who has you know a legacy, it's a legacy bloodline. Uh, the McVeighs, they've been linked for, uh, we won't even go into that because they talk about it in every broadcast that it's in prime time. Uh, but just the fact that he's he's thinking about hanging him up after one losing season, uh, that, that kind of gets at me. And then obviously you take into consideration the fact that ever since he got there, the team has been all cards on, or all chips off, on the table bet the house, giving up first-round picks, and then now that, you know, mortgaging your future kind of blows up a little bit in your face, it's not like it was the worst worst experience ever. You know, your quarterback goes down. It's happened before to multiple teams. But I, I don't know. Simon, I, I could ramble forever. Just stop me here. What are your thoughts? Ronan, I'm proud of you, man. I completely agree. I'm trying to find who did the report late last night. Someone, I forget who it was, if anybody else saw it, the the little two-minute video. But basically, was it Pelissero? Uh, Anyways, um, somebody did the report where, you know, because everyone's speculating, they hear all this stuff, yada, yada. And, of course, everything with McVeigh starts with, with the TV deal, right? Oh, now he's he's considering the TV deal this year. Well, he considered it last year, too. And he didn't take it last year. Uh, and then it was, you know, McVay, man, he just, he works so hard at this, and he throws himself into it, and he's burnt out. He was burnt out last year. Uh, what, what's different about this year? And, and then it was, and, and then we kind of got to the point where, again, this video that I'm trying to reference, maybe I'll find it and, and throw it in at the end for for everybody, but... Um, someone came out and was like, no, if he does step away, it, it is because he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Brother, you started the rebuild, man. You traded all these draft picks. And, and this isn't, this isn't like you, you sold the farm for everybody and all your guys retired. And now you have young guys, you got to coach up. Everyone got hurt, man. Come back, have Cooper cup. Have Matt Stafford, have Aaron Donald do the thing you've been doing every year where a third-round pick hits, a seventh-round pick hits, a, a 
discarded free agent hits. I mean, Cam Akers, you thought that guy was going to retire week three of the season, and he is looking like running back one again. All right, pencil that in. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., a guy we haven't talked about in six weeks, he didn't sign anywhere. Go bring him back next year. Joseph Nopum didn't work out at left tackle. Go draft a guy in the fourth round. Make him a starting left tackle. Um, pay Andrew Whitworth $10 million to come coach him in training camp. I don't care what you have to do. This is the, the legacy thing is such a great question, Ronan, and here's what it comes down to for me. Sean McVay loves football. He loves the NFL. He cares about his place in football in terms of people respecting his mind and, and respecting the game. If and, and and so the the stipulation is if this stuff is true, right? And in two weeks he could you know could take a vacation to Cabo and be like, hey, I'm good to go. If any of this stuff is true and he doesn't coach because he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild, he doesn't love coaching, right? And that's the issue. He would be just as happy, and this is okay. He would be just as happy being in the Sunday night football booth. Um, explaining the game to people, showing how smart he is, breaking down plays, drawing on the screen, trying to be John Madden, right? He he. If he wants to do that and he wants that to be his legacy because he does know so much football, then then that's one thing. Okay, whatever, that's fine. You screwed your team and, and you know, Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald and these guys are looking around like, bro, what are you doing? We, we came here for you. Now they got their ring. Maybe they're happy. I don't know. But... You don't love coaching, right, if this is your thing. Now, a, a little bias here, but as a Steeler fan, Mike Tomlin coaches, right? He would coach a, a peewee eight, eight-year-old team if he had to. He would coach uh, he would coach stock boys at, at a Kroger if he had to, right? Whatever he does, he's going to coach. He wants to teach people. He, want, he loves the process. He goes to um, – when, when they have the senior bowl – when they have uh, the the draft day visits on college campuses, he's in there running drills that like position coaches normally do. Head coaches, if they even go, I don't know if Sean McVay even goes to those things. Mike Tomlin gets in the drills and does them with people because he's like, hey, random 22-year-old who I'll probably never draft or talk to again. Let me show you how to, how to flip your hips on this one defensive back drill because he just loves coaching. He loves teaching. If Sean McVay really doesn't, want to come back next year because he doesn't want to be part of a quote-unquote rebuild where by the way you still have the best interior defensive lineman the best wide receiver and when healthy a top above average quarterback on your roster that, by the way that's not a rebuild um you don't love coaching man and, and coaching's not for the faint of heart we, we're seeing all these guys get fired that we'll talk about and you know guys that take years off from doing it but man that's honestly that's weak stuff man and, and again if if coaching ain't your thing, it's not your thing, but we can no longer have this conversation about him being this like wonderkin, this like football savant, this like genius coach, because sure, he might know a lot about football, but if he can't handle coaching up a couple backups for a, a season, he's not a coach, man. And, and that's that's depressing to say, but that that's how it is. I'm going to ramble for a minute. I don't usually do it on this podcast. I used to save it for us, a couple of the others that we do, and then I'll kick it back to y'all for anything we want to cover on this because it's good stuff here. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw out a term first, raiding the cupboard. The Saints did it, were the first team to do it a couple of years ago, but not with draft picks. They did it with salary cap, lots of dead cap space. They kind of 
borrowed from future seasons to go all in. It didn't quite pan out for them, mainly because of a terrible, you know, non-PI call late in the, late in the game against, ironically, the, uh, uh, the Rams, I think. But the, the Rams did the same thing. They've raided the cupboard here, but not the salary cap. They did it with draft picks. And now you've got two franchises and two coaches. And listen, nothing's ever simple, right? There's lots of things that go into this. There's family. There's burnout. Maybe there's power struggles. Maybe they're just, I'm tired of being here, whatever. But you have two coaches, two franchises. And they're smart guys, Sean McVay and Sean Payton both, who look around and go, oh, we just had our best shot at this. And for the Rams, it paid off. And you're looking ahead for the next two or three seasons. And you're like, uh, this looks like a whole bunch of work, Ken. You know, I might take a few L's here. You guys already mentioned it. I might take a few losses here, and it might be three seasons before I'm back pushing at the top again. And I'm not sure I want to do that, especially when you mentioned it, when I've got some good TV offers sitting there. And I could just go relax and chill out and pick up with the next franchise again in a couple of seasons when I want to. So, you know, listen, I'm not necessarily criticizing these guys for doing what suits them. But it's also, listen, what if what if Belichick decided to sell out the franchise for two seasons and get his shot at that? What if you, you name any coach in the NFL, what if they had their chance to just max out the cap, borrow from the next two or three seasons, take all the draft picks, trade them all away for a super team? You, then you start to go back and question, well, how good were they really if they had to do all that and they just bail out after they had their shot at it? And now the franchises are left with no draft picks or very little cap space for the next two or three seasons. I don't like it, but I understand it. I think we're going to see more of it in the future. Um, anybody else with anything to jump on there, Ronan? Yeah, you know, I think his decision will be huge. Uh, well, the timing of his decision will be huge for how the Rams – future looks moving forward because let's say he does decide he wants to retire after you know four candidates are already signed on uh because i mean there are uh, we're about to get into it but there's already teams uh requesting for interviews and we're a day removed from the regular season being over you know so i mean there there are a couple candidates who might have interest in la uh, one in particular, uh, Ivero, the Broncos defensive coordinator who's spent time in Los Angeles. That's, you know, L.A. ties. And then another guy we'll end up talking about here in a little bit, Raheem Morris, who's already the Rams defensive coordinator. He's getting head coaching looks. And uh, if McVeigh were to retire, you know, he would be someone that I'm sure the Rams would look at uh, internally to promote. So, uh yeah, the, the timing of McVeigh's decision will be big uh, for the Rams. And uh, another thing to note, if he does stay, Cliff Kingsbury, he, he's he's available. He's got some stuff. He's free. So, uh, you know, if the guys want to you know, just have a poolside shirtless draft again, you know, they can uh, – I'm sure they can work something out. Simon, anything else on, on the McVeigh situation? Guys, it just gets me fired up, man. Um, no, nothing more than than just kind of rambling around. I I will say this. Look, I mean, I just I just went on over the cap, uh, team over the cap over here versus Ben's uh spot track. Post June one, potential cuts. Joe Noteboom, uh, cap savings eight and a half mil. Tyler Higby, uh, let's see six point two five mil, and Bobby Wagner seven and a half mil. I just saved you like 
$22.23 million. Boom, right there. Uh, just, Thanks, sorry, man. Bobby. Um, sorry, Joe. Sorry, Tyler. I'm going to find three day three draft picks and get 80% of you guys uh, from that. And Donald and Cup and Stafford are going to be healthy. Uh, again, we're going we're gonna to find out what he really cares about. And, oh, personal life, Ben, you mentioned that for him. If that was it, right? He just he just got married. Maybe he wants to start a family. Maybe he wants to spend some time with the with his new bride. But all those factors were there last year, right? He he was he got married at right after the Super Bowl. He had the TV job in his hands after the Super. If he steps away now, it it really is just because he didn't want to be on a bad team, and that's again that that's just so weak. And, and if he does want to come back in after two years. Owners better be looking at him funny and thinking, all right, so you're going to come in, trade all our first-round draft picks, maybe win a Super Bowl, which is like a 10% chance, and then you're just going to leave me with the with the bill after. Again, maybe to some people it's worth it, man, but it doesn't – I don't know. It just gets me all all hot and bothered, all bummed out. Yeah, I and I'll say this. I actually still have a high degree of respect for McVay as a coach because I watched him go to two Super Bowls. Oh, yeah, he's a fantastic coach. It's yeah. the, the draft picks thing that bothers me because now you've got nothing for the next season or two. I, I don't like that at all. And, again, on the family thing, we watch I, – I agree with you, uh, Simon. I my, my point is this. We all as, emotion, as humans have more than one emotion going on. But I think me and you agree, if it weren't for the lack of draft picks sitting there over the next year or two, he'd be a whole heck of a lot more likely to come back and keep coaching these these good players. But we we listen, we watched Sean Payton a season or two ago talk about how he wanted to spend more time with family. And now he's right back in it like we all knew he would be. So, I'm you ready. know, I'm with you. I'm not buying this, all this other stuff, because if you had a good team, I think you'd still be there. So. All right, let's stay on Sean Payton because we've already brought his name up twice and dragged it through the mud a little bit. Uh, teams want him to come coach their team. I don't know how many teams, but uh, uh, Simon, I'll let you start it off here. Where might he want to go and who all might be interested in him at this kind of early stage here? Yeah, so officially it looks like the Broncos have already reached out. They're the first team. They kind of got everything kicked off. They re- So I believe the rules are any team interested in interviewing him has to reach out to the Saints first. And by the book, unless the Saints say, yeah, it's okay, go talk to them, they have to work out compensation first. They have to first decide between whichever team might want to hire Peyton and the Saints, hey, if you interview him and want to hire him, what would you give us? And do we agree to that? They have to sort out all those terms first. So it sounds like the Broncos and Saints have already done that. They're at least close enough on what a potential deal would look like that the Broncos have already reached out. And I think, I don't know if they've spoken with Sean Payton yet or not. I think this is a good fit because I've been saying all year with Russell Wilson, he went to Denver. He has this complex about himself, right? How amazing he is. And he is very good, but he wanted to do all these different things, right? He wanted to run six different offenses because he thought he could handle that. And Nate Hackett was not, he couldn't hack it and be the coach to say, no, we're going to do this one thing and be good at it. Or these two things and be good at it. And there was no direction. So they flopped all around and, and didn't have a good offense. Sean Payton could walk up to Russell Wilson and say, this is our offense. You go be a Hall of Famer with it, and we can compete. And that would be that, right? It would be the team we expected to see this past season, or, or most people expect to see this past season. So I, I do think that's a great fit. 
I don't know what the heck the Broncos have to trade. I don't know how far it, can they trade next year's first round pick, um, which is crazy before this year even happens. Uh, the 29. Uh, from uh, who'd they get it from? Oh, Miami, the, Miami, the, right? Bradley. Well, Chubb? the Miami pick is gone, but is it? Did they swap with Seattle? I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, good. Okay, so if they have another pick to hand out, yeah, if that's the one they trade, that's a really good point, Ronan. Thank you. Um, so that that's the first place. I think that would actually be the ideal because so much of that Broncos team is already set, and and you bring in Sean Payton. And he doesn't have to do anything else. And and we had the rumors going into last week, what we were going to do last week's show on, where he's assembling this like super coaching staff, right? Which is like, oh my gosh, just drooling over what that could be, especially because uh, Dennis Allen came out, I think today was asked by reporters and he was like, all indications are I'm keeping my job here with the Saints. So like, oh man, just like wondering who Sean Payton has kind of revved up to be on his staff. I, I mostly just want to see what that ends up being. Um, so that's the number one. Obviously, the other jobs that are officially open right now, the Texans, the Colts, the Cardinals, the Panthers, you know, none of those are like super exciting. But at the same time, Sean Payton's the kind of coach that could really go anywhere. And, and then the one we're all keeping an eye out on um, if Dallas has an embarrassing first round loss after the way their regular season has ended, could we see a move there? Right. And, and you know, that's the one that he's, uh, the, the rumor mill has been flying about him eyeing for a long time. Um, so we'll see about that. Some other jobs that may or may not actually be available that I'm kind of keeping an eye on this one. I've just been saying for me, I don't think it's going to happen. The Raiders, uh, Josh McDaniels came in and ruined the Raiders this season, in my opinion, offensively, especially, um, could something happen there, especially if Sean Payton may or may not be talking to a, a quarterback who might be uh, also a free agent looking to win a Super Bowl, that being Tom Brady. Uh, that's another conversation. Um, could the commanders be potential? I don't think so with the pending sale and or impending sale and everything. Ron Rivera is probably safe, but that's still interesting. The Bucks. speaking of Tom Brady, what's Todd Bowles' situation going to be after the playoffs? We'll see. Um, those are some other ones I have there, but I think Sean Payton and the Broncos does make a lot of sense. But if uh, any of those like just bad teams, Texans, Colts, Cardinals, Panthers that already have the opening, I'm sure that all of them will be calling as well. Ronan, I'll let you jump in before I do feelings on uh, Sean Payton, but you could take it a million different directions there. Yeah, I personally think he's going to have the pick of his pick of the litter. Uh, I think everybody's going to be interested. It's going to be more of who he's interested in. Uh, a team like Houston probably isn't the answer. Uh, I, I'm kind of right there with Simon. I think Denver makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think Arizona would make a lot of sense. Maybe not uh, for this next year since Kyler will be hurt for the majority, if not all of it. But, you know, moving forward with a top three pick, franchise quarterback, uh, th there would be some some attractiveness to that job, I would assume. All right, let me jump in and stir the pot up real good here, and then, then y'all can react to it. I'm going to start with this. There aren't many names in football who could kind of push on a door and that door open when it wasn't open before. Um, Sean Payton is one of those names. Um, even at the age of 71, Bill Belichick, if he were to quit now and go somewhere else, he would be one of those names. Mike Tomlin, if he were to quit Pittsburgh, he would be one of those names. 
um, Andy Reid, et cetera. There's, there's a handful of guys, and Peyton's one of those guys. Um, just the name alone, whether or not you want to rank him that high, that's fine, but he is one of those names. If I'm him, I don't mind going to Denver, but I'm not super excited because I'm still not sure how good Russell Wilson's going to be for the next two or three years. I think he's still got a lot of game left. I, I really do, but I don't know it for sure. I, I can't tell for sure that he's going to be healthy and play at the top of his game. I'm hanging around, Simon, you already mentioned that the Dallas Cowboys, if they have a first-round embarrassing loss, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it could, if they get that, then Sean Payton, all he's got to do is say, hey, Jerry Jones, I think I'm interested, and I think Mike McCarthy is gone. I really do. And another job, I've mentioned it before, I think it's safe unless Sean Payton's name gets involved, and I think it's the Chargers. I know the Chargers wrapped up this playoff thing rather quickly this year. If they get kicked out in the first round by a young Jaguars team that's up and coming, and Sean Payton's like, hey, I'm going to go work with Justin Herbert, I think the Chargers' ownership would listen and listen hard. I don't think they would just turn that away. So if, if I am Sean Payton, I would much rather – go to to the Chargers, really. I'm not sure I want to go work for Jerry Jones, but I do like what they've got on that roster, so it's tempting. And then I would look at Denver. I, I don't think I want to go to some of these other places and just do complete rebuilds. I'm not against it, but Simon, you mentioned it. I've already got a pretty good roster there in Denver. If I can talk myself into Russell Wilson being good for the next two or three years, then I'll jump on that. But, you know, if I'm Sean Payton, I don't have to make a decision anytime soon. I can wait two or three weeks and then make my spot. Simon, reactions? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I've been so against you on this anti-Brandon Staley-ness, but if I take away my feelings for Brandon Staley, I don't, I'm don't. i not sitting here thinking that he's like the best coach in the NFL. I just don't think the Chargers are going to be as willing to give up on him. But if I had to speak selfishly for myself, I have been begging all season for this Chargers offense to let loose and do something fun. And there would be a greater chance of that if Sean Payton were at the helm. So from a selfish point of view and a selfless point of view where I want everyone else to see Justin Herbert flourish and be great. Um, yeah, that would be pretty cool. But yeah, I think Ronan also had a great point, Arizona, where it's, hey, we don't have him this year, but we have a franchise quarterback locked up. You come in, be ready for Kyler Murray in, in 2024. And use this super staff that you're uh, establishing to build up the rest of the team in the kind of this like gap year of 2023. That's not how most coaches think, right? They're, they're he, like you said, Ben, he's going to want to come into a ready-made team and, and be competitive right away. But I do think that could be interesting as well with the Cardinals where it's, you, you know, the quarterback is there. You just kind of have to wait on it. But like both of you guys have said, he's going to have his pick and, and all these teams I'm sure are going to come calling here soon enough. And, you know, we're just going to have to to wait and see. And he has the benefit as well of if if the one he doesn't want doesn't come available this year, he'll just stick in TV for another year and do it all again. Ronan, do you have anything else? Yeah, if you're Arizona, are you, you have the third pick in the draft. And let's say the Saints are pounding the table. We want a first. We want a first. Are you giving up that third overall pick? Like, is that worth it? Because, I mean, nah. no. Ben? I, Ben's going to say yes. Well, I, I haven't even thought about it. It's actually a great question, and I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna give an answer because I haven't thought about it. But I'll say this: I don't think Sean Payton's going to Arizona. I don't think there's any chance. I, for several reasons, 
Now, I do, I do think he might be interested in the fact that they also let go of the GM, so he could probably pull in his own general manager, right? So he gets the power and structure. I like that. But hey, Arizona's just not the place that coaches go to win Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just not. And as much as Kyler Murray can run the wheels off and throw the wheels off, but he's been so immature at times and he's been injured, I'm just not sure that Sean Payton wants to go there and wait a year for Kyler Murray. I, I, I think there's better places for him, honestly. I think so. So I am with you, Ben. Well, you know, I said Kyler Murray's the franchise quarterback. He's there established. And I think Sean Payton could build an effective offense with him. Yeah. I don't think he's, he's the, you don't make the decision just based off of, Oh, I'm going to go get Kyler Murray. Now Houston, if Sean Payton sees a quarterback that he likes in this draft, if he likes Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and now they screwed themselves by getting this. Well, they didn't screw themselves. Lovey Smith screwed them on the way out. Good for Lovey getting the second overall pick. But they have they have a pick in the teens as well somewhere. I forget I forget where it, but it's the Browns pick I think. Um, if he if he goes to Houston, he says send the send the Browns pick uh, to the Saints for me. Right, keep the second overall pick. Go to Chicago, who doesn't need a quarterback probably. I know everyone's saying they should trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young. That's not going to happen. Um, trade the second pick and a third round pick or fourth round pick, whatever, to get that number one spot and get me this quarterback, we could figure out the rest. I, I would I think there's something to that, but that's that's if he loves a quarterback, right? He's not gonna go there if he doesn't love one of these quarterbacks in the draft. I think that's kind of the dark horse. If we know he goes to Houston, we know there's a quarterback he really, really likes coming out. Yeah, agreed. Ronan, anything else? Yeah, I, I'm just – it's going to be really interesting to see, I guess, who he ends up picking because, you know, if he doesn't love Russ and he doesn't want to wait a year for Kyler Murray, the options are limited, you know. So, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. If you're in the mood for more football content from Phantom Sports Industries, subscribe to our newest podcast, the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Brandon Tim. Together, we'll take a deep dive into the data of fantasy football to get the weekly dubs and come out on top as our league's champion. We'll see you at the next episode, coming soon. Once again, this is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast from Phantom Sports Industries. See you there. All right, and again, so there aren't many people get to do this, but if I'm Sean Payton, I'm going to be trying to see what I can leverage. And, and if I don't get what I want this year, big deal. I want to go already mentioned I'll wait till next year. Um, so if, if I don't like the situation I'm getting, you know, no problem. Now it looks like he's dying to get in. So he probably knows where he already wants to go. And it may very well be Denver, but I, you know, I, I really want to coach Justin Herbert. That to me, that's, that's the top choice, you know, too bad. And by the way, I think Staley should get a third year. I'm not advocating that if they lose in the first round, they should get rid of him. Like, you know, he hasn't overly impressed, but he, you know, he, he's, he's working, he's, he's close. So, you know, I think Staley should get a third year, but if Sean Payton's available, uh, I'm at least going to listen and think about that if I am Chargers ownership. All right, Simon, let's move on to the Panthers here. Um, Steve Wilkes, I think I've got the name right. I, for whatever reason, I keep wanting to get his name mixed up with somebody else, but um, he's done a good job as an interim coach, but there are some interesting things to, to consider here. And also, who else can you get if you're Carolina? So start us off the bat there with the Panthers. 
Yeah, so Carolina, uh, I'm going to give us, as we go through these teams, the updated as of 11.59 p.m. East Coast time on Monday, January 9th, the updated requests that these teams have made for interviews. And this one actually just came in an hour ago, but Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, which is really funny because under him is Joe Brady, who was the offensive coordinator for the Panthers just like a year and a half ago. Um, and Shane Steichen, I know I'm going to say his name wrong, the Eagles offensive coordinator, who's definitely going to end up getting a head coaching job. Uh, that's who the Panthers have requested interviews for to this point, looking to go offensive side of the ball uh, for the Panthers. But for me in this job, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm interested in this job because that defense has playmakers between Brian Burns, J.C. Horn, uh, Jeremy Chin, the safety. There, there are defensive playmakers on this team that I think I can unlock with a really good scheme. And then you just have to hope you're kind of guy that can bring a great offensive coordinator and kind of fix this offense. You have a good foundation. We saw a, a strong showing from the offensive line this year. You have a top receiver in DJ Moore. You have an established running game, whether you keep the same running backs or not is a different question. Um, you need to build out this offense. You need to get a quarterback. Uh, I, I don't know what pick they're slated to have at this point. I think it, I mean, it's also top 10, six or seven, maybe something like that. I should probably get that pulled up, but the, this is an enticing job. I think of these, these ones that are nine. readily available nine. Thank you, Ronan. Um, that's a that's a Will Levis pick maybe in that you might be in that range with Will Levis. We'll see how how much he rises through the ranks, but I think of these jobs, these like really bad ones, setting the Broncos one aside, Texans, Colts, Cardinals, Panthers. This Panthers one might be the next best, just because you have some young playmakers on this team, and you can see a path. You just like everyone else, you have to get a quarterback. Um, but it looks like right now, so far, the Panthers are looking for an offensive mind, which is smart. But if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm talking to my agent about maybe trying to get an interview with this job. Ronan? All right. It's a great point, Simon. Um, when you talk about <laughs> when you talk about the Panthers, they, they've got a good history of winning, right? Stable franchise. It hasn't always been the smoothest couple of hiccups. But a long history of winning there. Uh, they've made a couple of different trips to Super Bowls under a couple of different coaches. So, so it's not the kind of franchise that you just automatically think, well, I don't have a shot to win there. You know you do. And you know that you can go a long ways there. And my, my feeling for Steve Wilkes, I'll, I'll start with him. I like Wilkes. And I, I get a little frustrated sometimes with interim coaches who don't seem to get a, get a real view in at the next shot. I think about the Raiders coach last year who did a heck of a job down the stretch. And he basically had – no shot. So then they handed, handed it over to Josh McDaniels and the whole thing just falls apart and burns. Now they're thinking about whether or not they ought to let it go of him. So I like Wilkes. He can coach the defense. He seems to be able to do a lot of things very well. The guys like him. They buy him. But I don't like the offense. The offense has stunk since he took over. I mean, not just this past weekend either. It has been game after game after game. And I get it. Doesn't have a great quarterback there. But he's not the only coach who doesn't have a quarterback there. Um, so I'm a little bit torn there with Wilkes. I do think they ought to give him a real shot at this. I, I do. And, and maybe it's just another one full year shot at it. Maybe that's what they give him. Maybe it's just like a free agent quarterback. I know that's not the norm, but maybe they ought to do that. I think that's something that they ought to take a look at doing. To me, it depends on who else they can get in there. You know, if they can get the Eagles offensive coordinator in there, you mentioned that. I'm going to take a look at that too. 
you know, I, and no, I'm not going to pronounce the name because <laughs> I won't do any better on it. But, you know, we saw the Panthers already try to do this OC route, this brilliant offensive mind route, you know, before, just a couple of years ago, and it didn't work. And, and, and you never know until you get the guy in. I'm not sure that if I'm Carolina, I don't want to give Wilkes another chance, but I tell him, hey, it's up to you to find an offensive coordinator who can get this job done here. And if you don't, you're out too. Um, so it's it, it's not an easy choice. It depends who else is involved there. Simon, I'll kick it back to you. What you're thinking there? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm with you on the interim coach thing. I wish it felt a little more like a coach could actually earn the the job because you look at what Wilkes has done versus an interim coach like Jeff Saturday, and you're like, man, Wilkes, like he might have the chops for this. But what I do know is uh, David Tepper, uh, the owner for the Panthers. This is a guy that's going to take big swings, and he wants to. Uh, and, and that normally doesn't lend itself to just roll with the interim head coach. It, it usually means they, you know, go for the, for the hot young name, go for the former player, go for, you know, the guy who's been uh, on winning clubs, and just the guy who's going to, you know, sell tickets and, and you know sell stories. And that doesn't normally translate to the uh, to to the to the interim guy sticking around. Um, so I don't have to go in and edit anything. I'm going to keep that part where Ben tried to kick it to Ronan and just peek behind the curtain here. Ronan uh, <laughs> blacked out on us for a little bit. I don't know if he made another trip out to New Orleans real quick. But uh, no, Ronan had some technical difficulties, but he made it back in time uh, for this segment. So a peek behind the curtain for everybody so I don't have to do any editing. Ronan, what do you think about the Panthers and Steve Wilkes or an outside candidate or, or anything with that job? You know, I, I honestly, I think it's a, a more interesting position than probably the media lets on. Uh, they have pieces. You've already listed the players, uh, especially after pawning off CMC. Uh, they've got the four picks inside the top 100. That That's a big plus. Uh, nice little injection of youth. I, I'm with you guys, though, uh, in terms of like the Wilkes thing. He went six and six. Personally, I feel like he did enough to earn the job. Now, whether or not he will actually get it, it's to be determined. Because a guy like D'Amico Ryans or you know, even a, a Ben Johnson for the Bills, you know, just a, a young new head na- or head coach with a new name, that, that would be wildly beneficial for Carolina because they need something there. They need something. Let me jump in, because, Simon, you made a great point about David Tepper, the owner, being inclined to take big swings. If it's me, instead, if I'm going to take big swings, it's going to look like this. I go after Sean Payton hard, all right? I don't go after another unknown coordinator. Um, and, again, there are guys who can coordinate and they can't coach. We, we see it every single year, that guys that can OC and DC and they can't HC. Um, I'm going to go after Sean Payton hard. Or, if I don't do that, I'm going to hand the job to Wilkes, I'm going to tell him, hey, you've got a year or two to get an offensive coordinator in here who can handle the side of the football that you're not very good at. And then I'm going to go trade up in the draft and get a top quarterback. I'm not going to wait around with Levis. Levis has potential, but he has a ton of question marks, more than more than most guys who are getting considered. The only reason Levis is getting considered here is because he has a, a shotgun and arm um, within about 20, 30, 40 yards. Um, so many question marks there. I'm going to trade up for one of the other two guys, and I'm going to hand that guy to love it, to, to uh, sorry to Wilkes. And I'm going to say, get an offensive coordinator. You got a year or two, see what you can do. Those are the big swings I would take. Simon. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean that that definitely makes sense, right? The the devil you know versus the one you don't. But in Wilkes's interview, will definitely entail the question of who are you bringing in to round out this staff? Because they have fired a lot of the people that were on that staff at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilkes better have names and. He's going to have to do the social media challenge, right? Where it's like, hey, call up the most famous person in your phone right now, right? Hey, you, oh, you got a good OC? FaceTime him. Show me that he's going to come join you here. And if I don't like who it is or he doesn't pick up, this job isn't yours. <laughs> yeah, great point. All right, Roland, I'm going to kick it over to you for the Colts now. Uh, all kinds of things we can talk about here. Let's start with Jeff Saturday and work our way out from there. And then we'll pick up some of the coaching candidates, possibilities and stuff from Simon. Yeah, this Colts team, uh, obviously they underperformed, uh, to say the least. You know, this was a team that was supposed to be in the AFC South championship mix. They were supposed to be in the playoff mix, and Frank Reich was out midseason. So obviously that didn't go to plan. This team needs some sort of leader because they, the, they have the components to be a playoff team, but, but they just don't have the, anyone to mesh everything together. Uh, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, getting someone like a Jim Harbaugh would be huge, someone who's been there, someone who's experienced. You're not taking a big swing, a roll of the dice uh, on a first-year head coach because this is a solid roster. And uh, I would assume that they'll end up putting their request in. As of right now, I don't believe uh, they've put a request to talk to or they haven't requested to talk to Harbaugh. I don't know. Do they have to request since he's at Michigan? You know, that's a hard question. I I think I saw somewhere that someone had to do something like that. I don't know exactly what the college rules. Uh, But they have requested to talk to the Lions defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. So uh, they are fans of uh, the Lions coordinators, I reckon. Uh, the Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, and Shane Steichen. Go ahead and take a third stab at it with you guys. Uh, the Eagles offensive coordinator. So, yeah, the, the, personally, I feel like Harbaugh is the perfect answer for the Colts. He has the indie ties. Uh, Simon, what are your thoughts on that? I love that, Ronan. I actually, I really, really do because, you know, we, we know the Colts want to be fan servicey by getting in Jeff Saturday. Turns out having been a coach would be a, you know, good thing on your resume to have to be an NFL coach. Uh, let's continue to be fan servicey. How about Jim Harbaugh, who's a, what, four year starter for the Colts at what position? Quarterback. Um, what do they need to do this offseason? Draft a quarterback from college. Where was Jim Harbaugh just at? College. Fourth overall pick. I don't care who it is. If you can't trade up to one, two, or three to get, let's say Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis go one, two, three, take Anthony Richardson from floor. I don't care. You draft a quarterback. Ben's rolling his eyes at me right now. This Colts team cannot, cannot do one more year of this. Let's go get a veteran. They cannot call up Derek Carr. They cannot call up Jimmy Garoppolo. If Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady want to walk through the door, that's a different thing but you cannot do this mid-tier quarterback on a one- or two-year deal again. You go draft a guy, and and Jim Harbaugh, as a guy with a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, who the Colts obviously know, who has been there in the NFL before and has done a good, good job, this is the only guy that should be coming from college to coach in the NFL anytime soon, by the way. 
Um, I I like this one because you you do need a leader of those guys that they've requested. The only other guy I would really consider for this team is Raheem Morris. And, and that's just because, you know, he could walk in the building and, and gain respect and bring this team together. Those other guys, you know, Shane Station uh, is going to be a, you know, who is, that's the official pronunciation of the Phantom Football Podcast. Um, he is going to be a good offensive mind, but, you know, we, we haven't seen that. We don't know if he can be dynamic enough to tell Jim Ursay what they're going to do and totally put this together. He's a hot name right now, though, so maybe. Um, ben Johnson, I honestly think, is going to be a little too green to take a head coaching job this year. I think he'll probably go through the cycle and end up with Detroit for another season. Uh, this was his first year as a coordinator. He's kind of been a guy in the background for a large portion of his career. Aaron Glenn, I just don't think that really excites me or anybody, but but those are the names that they've requested. I think Raheem Morris is the guy who has the personality to be a head coach for this team, but I think Harbaugh is maybe the best pick. Again, assuming you can't get Sean Payton in the door, I think Harbaugh is probably the next best guy. I'm with, there's so much to, to unwrap here, but I'll start with the Harbaugh thing. I'm on board with you guys. I love it for the Colts. Boom, and and necessarily for the reasons y'all mentioned, but when I watched Harbaugh with the 49ers, you talk about a hard – core team that was organized hard hitting the Colts roster is already kind of built for that it already kind of suits what Harbaugh does with the 49ers now I know Harbaugh wore out his welcome in San Francisco maybe he's learned maybe he hasn't but at least for three or four seasons he's going to have this Colts roster which is already kind of built for that built to run built to you know play some pretty decent defense just didn't do it this year I think it's a perfect fit there um at quarterback, this, this is the one spot where I wouldn't mind Will Levis coming in because he doesn't have to save the franchise, you know? It's not like if he steps into Houston. It's not like if he steps into some of these other franchises that just stink out loud, Levis all of a sudden has to save the place. Harbaugh just needs a quarterback who can do something. And Levis can do certain things extremely well, and Harbaugh wouldn't mind building around that. They're going to run the football anyway. I mean, who am I kidding? <laughs> you know, Levis is only going to throw the ball about 20 times a game if they get him there. So, you know, they, they wouldn't – who knows if they'd have to trade, trade up to three to do it. Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they catch him at nine or ten or wherever. That That's all still to be played out. But I like that. I, I, I like the fact – and I think you're right, Simon, when you say they can't go back to that veteran quarterback route again. It's – it's not just the head coaching job at stake now. The general manager's job is going to be at stake if that keeps on. As much as people like him, another year or two of that, another quarterback going by the wayside, and Ursa is just going to clean house, no doubt to it. Ronan, anything else to add here on the Colts? Uh, no, sir, not off the top of my head. All right, Simon, I'll let you stay on the Colts if you want, but let's also talk, toss in the Houston Texans. Lovey Smith after one year. He's out, uh, just announced, I think, today or late, late last night. Uh, talk to us about who might be involved there. The Texans, man, they just – they're such a joke. Let, let's just get this out of the way. If they end up with Josh McCown at, court, at, at coach after all of this, um, nobody is going to want to come to this franchise as a player or coach for the next handful of years. Let's just get that out of the way. Who are the guys that they've requested to meet with already? Our boy Shane Station, uh, which I think I'm going to get worse at pronouncing as we go. Uh, they've also requested Ben Johnson. They've also requested D'Amico Ryans, who's a longtime Houston Texans player. 
Uh, they've also requested Ajiro Evero, the Broncos defensive coordinator. That's a hot name for sure. And Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, who I think of all the guys that have been requested so far, that's who I'd kind of have lowest on the list. He's done some decent things, but really just because the talent has gotten better on the defense. I don't, I don't love that one. Um, and, and the Texans, they fired their last two, like, defensive minded coaches that this has been a one and done scenario here with the Texans. I just don't know what is happening. I don't know how you trust this organization Um, in terms of a good fit for this team. I think D'Amico Ryans is, is my other guy kind of at the top here just because he's been there as a player. So he's going to have a lot of sway from ownership and the fan base. Um, so, some names here that, that we haven't talked about yet because they haven't been requested yet, but I think would fit with the Colts or the Texans who should be looking to get a quarterback here with top these top five picks that they're going to have in the draft. Some other guys that, that we haven't talked about yet. Kellen Moore of the Cowboys. Uh, Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs. Can we finally get him a job? Uh, Mike LaFleur, the Jets OC. I think it's going to be a little early for him too, but he has shown to put a good offense together. Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator. Um, those are just some other names, but but I think of the guys they've requested and just who's going to come in and and try to stabilize this situation. D'Amico Ryan's would, would also be a good fit here if they can't go get, uh, you know, if uh, of course the caveat for everybody is if you can't get Sean Payton. But I think this would be a good fit here for for D'Amico as well as Carolina as I as I mentioned earlier. Roland, the, the Texans franchise is a mess at the moment, but who do you like to step in here and try to fix some of this? You know, I'm right there with Simon. Someone like D'Amico Ryans. Uh, I hope that it's not Josh McCown, uh, but the way that this organization has made it seem for the past, what, two years, uh, it, it does seem like it might be Josh McCown. Uh, but seeing them, they have gone for defensive-minded coaches, but one thing uh, that the the prior coaches have in common are uh, they were veterans, uh, at least in the coaching world. So maybe if they were to take a swing at one of those younger coaches and maybe give them more than a year, uh, maybe they could see some traction. Yeah, and I, I love the Miko Ryans here. But you've mentioned they've already done D.C. a couple of times. I'm not sure I don't want to bring Eric Bieniemy in here. Bieniemy's going to bring some stabilization. And he's, he's been running a top offense for several seasons now. And he's had the privilege to work with, with uh, Andy Reid for a long time and see Andy Reid's old tricks. And then you just work with Bieniemy to get him a quarterback. You start there. I, you got to – I mean, Davis Mills wasn't – Davis Mills was competitive at times, but that was about it. So you work to get him a quarterback in there. I think I would like to see Eric Bieniemy uh, uh, get this job uh, personally. All right, uh, the Cardinals have also let go – so much to talk about here. The Cardinals have finally let go of um, – and I'm blanking uh, – Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, he is out. Simon, start us off there for the Cardinals. Yeah, like you said, clean house because their their GM who stepped away uh, for medical reasons towards the end of the year basically mutually agreed upon he's stepping away to, to focus on his health as well. So kind of what we all saw coming, um, I'll toot my own horn, I saw a little earlier than everybody, than you, than you guys, just going to throw that out there. Um, th- this is a clean slate for the Cardinals, and I think they're really going to have to do their homework here. 
where you know Ronan mentioned Cliff and, and his tie to Sean McVay earlier. Uh, they basically hired Cliff Kingsbury on a oh he met Sean McVay one time great let's hire him. This guy was about to be what the offensive coordinator at USC or something like that, and they hired. So they this is a team that needs a veteran, right? I don't think this is a team that can go and, and get the next young guy and and have him try and figure things out. Um, now the both good and bad news, if you're going to accept this coaching job is you do kind of have this gap year to, to try and pull a team together with Kyler out, coach some guys up, um, figure out what you do have and what you don't have. But this is a team that from a roster standpoint also has to clean house this season. There's a lot of free agents that we'll talk about later um, in, in the coming weeks with the Cardinals, but this is a full reset while, while Kyler's out for a lot of guys. Um, so, so a veteran, you know, I think this would, this would be a good B enemy spot. Um, I think either of the Dallas guys, I think that would be a pretty good spot for them as well. Um, Brian Flores, he's starting to get some attention. I believe it was the Cleveland Browns who requested to interview him for their defensive coordinator job. Um, maybe this is an Adiro Evero spot there. There's a lot of guys that could go in here. I mean, Evero is kind of young, so, so maybe not that one. Um, but I just have no idea where this team wants to take things. Um, you could go with a defensive guy because you could say, hey, we just need an OC that can build an offense around Kyler and um, there's good receivers. And and so that's easy, ready-made. We know what that is. Um, so maybe a defensive guy, but again, someone who's going to bring some stability. So if I had to pick one name with all that as I kind of rambled and talked through it and, and the guy, they haven't requested anybody yet too. And this is what makes me nervous. The only tweet that I've seen about what they're thinking so far in their coaching search is, I forget who it was, but somebody said, don't be surprised if Vance Joseph gets an interview, their defensive coordinator. Um, he's well-respected in the building. You're going to go through everything you just went through the last three seasons, and you're just going to go in-house and and promote a guy from within. That's tough, man. You can't, you can't do that. You just, you just absolutely cannot do that. Um, so if I'm going to say, let's get a defensive-minded guy, a veteran who's been around a long time, but who can still be kind of energized, right? Give me Dan Quinn from Dallas. Um, he knows this division, right? Longtime Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator. Uh, he's a guy that's going to have some gravitas, be able to bring in a guy to run the offense and build an offense around Kyler. He, uh, think about what he's done with the defensive players in Dallas and – uh, think about what he could do with athletic linebackers like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Uh, Buda Baker with Dan Quinn could be a lot of fun. Those guys are are here for the long haul. So um, give me Dan Quinn uh, for the Cardinals. Just don't just don't promote Vance, Vance Joseph. I mean, there's so much to think about that you laid out there, and I like it, especially the Buda Baker-Dan Quinn combination. I like that. But, um, Ronan, it's so rare to watch one offseason where the franchise hands out extension contract extensions to the quarterback, the coach, and the general manager. One year later, the quarterback is on IR, probably going to miss most of next year. We'll see. That's that's kind of what we what we expect. And the coach and general manager are gone. Yeah, one hundred percent. The the Cardinals are in a nightmare situation right now. Uh, and it's going to be tough to claw their way out of it. Um, you know, Simon, you've mentioned the Cardinals needing to go for, you know, maybe someone with experience. I, I don't disagree, but 
whenever you mentioned the enemy i i feel like personally i feel like the enemy would be my favorite choice uh maybe aside from sean payton who uh we're all pretty big on it seems on this podcast but uh I don't know. The Cardinals going for a defensive-minded head coach just doesn't sit well with me. Maybe it's exactly what they need, uh, but I don't know. Whenever you have D-Hop, Kyler Murray uh, in two years, hopefully, or not hopefully, hopefully comes back next year, but I, I don't know. A defensive guy like Evero, like uh, D'Amico Ryan, someone like that, Dan Quinn, I- I'm not necessarily sure Like in terms of overall – long-term impact i I will say with that um eric Bieniemy, i count as he'd been around the block right he's been on super bowl teams obviously he's been the nfl for the most part since 2006 um i think if i think if they go offense and and yeah sean payton as we said kind of at the top um Bienemy needs a head coaching job. This just has to happen. And i think i think he could definitely come in and, and bring the reins in and yeah it's just a matter do you go offense, defense? Do you care about that? So I think that's a good one. I can't wait to jump in here on this because you guys, you guys beat me to it, but I'm going to excitedly jump in on it. Eric Benamy, this if I'm Benamy, I, I, I hate to hit this, I'm going to hit it real quick. We see a lot of African American guys get crappy jobs. Yep. We really do. Going to Arizona, while it's not the greatest, that I don't think Sean Payton is going to sit around and go there. It's better than a lot of these posts because you do at least have something there in Kyler Murray. And I think Eric Bieniemy would be great for Kyler Murray. And maybe there's probably one year gap there, but Murray's making a ton of money. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. They have, they have married Kyler Murray. I didn't check the dead cap for 24, but for the time being they're, they're tied to him and that's just the way it's going to be. And Eric Benamy would at least have something to work with. Whereas if he goes to a lot of other franchises, it's complete scratch. It's all start over. Now you get that one year gap where you've got to kind of upgrade the offensive line because not because it's bad, because it's old. <laughs> That's the problem. Old. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta get nineteen ninety three old if you were to ask Ronan. <laughs> yes, uh... ninety three old. And the defense has some pieces there, and. You could work with that. Just make sure you get a good DC and the enemy will. He knows everybody in the freaking league, so he won't have any trouble getting a good DC. And he'll stabilize a franchise that has been Jekyll and Hyde for the past couple of years. And he might even get to have a hand in picking out his general manager. So I don't know where else he's going to go that he'll have a better shot, better situation, honestly. Um, you know, maybe maybe the Chargers in a year. <laughs> so, But, uh, you know, th- those are all things that are out there. If I'm the enemy, I would be very attracted in the Cardinals job. And if I'm the Cardinals, I would be extremely interested in Eric the enemy. All right. Um, Simon, I think you just flashed us the 10 minute sign. Is that correct? That is it. We have 10 minutes remaining. I, I swore to these guys we would not go over this last uh, 40 minute timer. So here we are. Right. Um, real quick, just just so we hit all the names. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hand out a list of names real quick. The rest of the coaches that, that I think, uh, are, are coordinators that are going to be getting these interviews. If there's anyone you want to add or anybody you guys want to quickly talk about from this list that we haven't touched on already, just go ahead. So at the top is obviously Sean Payton, uh, D'Amico Ryans, who we've talked about, Ajiro Evero, who, who we've mentioned, I think he's going to be a bit hotter of a name than we, that we haven't 
talked about as heavily, but I think he's definitely going to be heavily involved in this cycle. Uh, Shane Station for one more time. Uh, Ben Johnson is going to be out there. Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Eric Bieniemy, Michael Fleur, Mike Kapka, Leslie Frazier from the Bills. Uh, He might get another run at some things. And and then Brian Flores uh, currently with the Steelers. I think that's the total list. Are there any other names that we haven't touched on or isn't on that list that you guys have in mind? Or um, anybody from this list you guys want to talk about? Ben, let's start with you. Yeah, Simon, I, I got to ask you, because you know the OFCs and DCs so well. A year ago, we were all talking about Byron Lethbridge and how he just really needed to have a head coaching job. And this year, it's nothing. I mean, I, I'll ask you why, but I'll point out, one year to the next can make so much difference for all of these guys. Because two years ago, we were all screaming Eric Bieniemy, and that has gone kind of quiet. One year to the next, you know, the, the guy, you know, a lot of us liked Hackett last year, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's out. You know, it may be three, four years before he even gets another consideration. One year makes so much difference. But in Byron Leftwich's case, any reason why? Leftwich in particular for me is I think when when the run game disappeared from the Bucks this season because of the offensive line injuries that we've highlighted, we saw how limited – the the play calling and the offensive structure really was now i think an underlying factor to that could be the head coaching change we went from mr no risk it no biscuit bruce arians who might have been yelling in left Twitch's ear week three the run game's not working go to play action on first down for the rest of the season and, and that might have been over to todd bowles who you know we talk about all this what happens when a dc becomes a head coach and they're more conservative. Run the ball on first down. Punt the ball on, you know, fourth and anything from any yard line. Um, yeah, run the clock out. You know, keep running it. Oh, it'll set up the play action. Yada yada. This is what we see when defensive coordinators are head coaches. So it could be the fact that, um, you know, the the mindset of the team is different from the top down. I, I think we're seeing that as an aspect, and I think the injuries and. You got to hit your window, man. And, and that's why when these guys get these opportunities for these interviews, you, you just so hope that it works out because if that door closes, it could be three or four years before your name is brought up again. Great point. Ryan, real, uh, Ronan, real quick, anything on uh, on the uh, OCDC stuff? Uh, you know, the only other names I was going to tack on were Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, and we've already re- kind of covered them. So, no, sir. All right, well, Ronald, let's stay with you. Uh, we're going to run out of time here, so let's get your AFC-NFC title game predictions and then your Super Bowl pick. All righty, so in the AFC, I have – I'm being an optimist here, and we're going to get it, guys. We're going to get that Chiefs-Bills neutral site AFC championship. And then on the NFC side, I've got Eagles-Vikings. Super Ooh. Bowl. Super Bowl. So I've got the Bills making it out of the AFC. I've got the Eagles making it out of the NFC. I got the Bills winning it all. Fair enough, Simon. Oh man, what's the NFC matchup going to be? Am I? I'm going to be so boring. I'm going to. Oh gosh, I'm going to do it. Um, I don't want to be this boring. I was really, I was really just ready for Super Bowl. I've got Chiefs, Bills, and AFC. I've got Eagles in the NFC. And I've got them facing. I'm really just deciding when I think Brock Purdy is going to actually make his fatal mistake, which he will at some point. Is it 
I, I think he makes it to the NFC Championship game, though. Man, I would love to go with Ronan and the Vikings, but I'm going to go super chalk here. One, two, one, two. Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Niners. The ones come out. Chiefs, Eagles. And I've got the Chiefs winning it all. All right, fair enough. I can see all of that. Mine is, 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 but is close to chalk as well. I've got the Bills over the Chiefs on the AFC side. NFC side, I've got the Eagles over the 49ers. And then the Super Bowl, I've got the Bills over the Eagles. Simon, real quick for you, um, what's the biggest thing that you would that you're that bothers you the most that maybe you you would really have to pick this team or, or you're tempted to change something? It really is just the Niners. And I believe in this offense and what they're doing so much. And it really it's more just a credit to how well Brock Purdy has played. And and that I do think he's so good. But at some point he's gonna let's even just say the rookie moment, right? Not the oh, he's actually just a backup. Oh, he was Mr. Irrelevant. Like, put all that aside. He's a rookie quarterback. At some point, he's going to have that rookie mistake, and it's just about deciding when I think that's going to be. Is it going to be a first-round upset? Is it going to be the divisional round? Or is it going to be NFC Championship game, you know, when he's got all those defensive linemen for the Eagles breathing down his neck and those defensive backs taking advantage of him? I'll say he makes it till then, but if I had to change one thing, it would be Oh, does somebody else, you know, get to Brock Purdy a little earlier? Fair enough. Ronan, what else is tempting you hard that you didn't quite take on? You know, two things. Uh, obviously, the someone interrupting everybody's wish of a Chiefs-Bills AFC championship. Uh, I think, you know, obviously anything can happen. So a team like the Bengals, a team like, you know, the Chargers, or even, hell, the Jags, uh, you never know. And then on the NFC side, I, it's tough to count Brady out, man. You know, it's almost storybook. He had this, you know, what, losing season uh, record-wise and then goes into the playoffs, goes up against the hostile NFC East uh, fan bases in the playoffs. I I don't know. Uh, He might go on a little run here. (laughs) All right, I'll I'll hit you my things real quick, and Simon will let you wrap us up. I've got – I'm tempted to take the 49ers all the way to the Super Bowl because I don't know how healthy the Eagles are. That's really the only thing holding me back. Um, on the AFC side, Ronan, you mentioned it. Could the Bengals or the Chargers? Because the Chargers played the Chiefs tight twice this year and lost both times, but it was tight. Could the Bengals or the Chargers upset somebody's apple cart there on the AFC side? Simon, close this up. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate all of you listeners that you know didn't get us last week and you stuck around for this extra long one this week. We really, really appreciate it. We had a lot of fun. As I said at the top, we will be back to more of our normal circumstance next week where we're going to hit the games and we're going to hit them hard with the analysis. So make sure you come back for all of your wild card round uh, recap needs. Um, and until then, thank you so much. Follow us on Twitter at Phantom Football. Email the show with any questions, predictions, any coaching ideas, any names we miss, any teams we miss. Please hit us up phantomfootballpod at gmail.com uh please subscribe rate and review to the show we're on apple and spotify we really appreciate everybody for listening have a great wild card weekend and we will see you next week